have until the count of five. I happen to love the number five. It's a beautiful number, a glorious number. You got to the count of five. Welcome everyone to the Got Till 5 podcast, episode 40, my dear friend Jesse. 40? Are we just going to celebrate every anniversary, no matter how unimportant it actually is? <laughs> I'm going to play clips from the last 10 episodes. <laughs> from every episode where we said the number 40. Um, how are you? My name's Max Kurt, oh, yeah. by the way, he's oh, Jesse he's Benz. talking still. Yeah, I'm Jesse Benz. Um, we, we didn't even talk about who was going to do the intro, you just jumped into it, so which is a bit disrespectful to me, don't you think? Sorry, mate. You, you can have next week. Work. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't starting again. 41? Who wants 41? 41's for fucking lamos. Fine, you can wait nine and have 50. No, I'll be dead by then. Oh. <laughs> right, okay. This week's episode is fun. Oh, good. Yeah, you sold it to me already. <laughs> <laughs> no, so this week's top five, I'm going to let Jesse explain, because I'm still slightly confused as to what we're doing. My name is Angela, hey, hello. We've been talking a lot about Angela Anaconda, it's a very good cartoon from the old days. Um, very creepy cartoon as well. You what? Very creepy cartoon. Creepy cartoon they, like, with like photos. animated the mouth, yeah, it was a photo, but the mouth moved like a real human mouth. Basically mugshots, weren't they? It was yeah. just mugshots of... And they animated mugshots, and it's, yeah, it's weird. But check it out if you don't know what we're talking about. YouTube, Angela Anaconda. Right, slightly unusual episode this week. We are doing our top five favourite entrances. Now, this would be a specific entrance of a specific wrestler at a specific show. What is not included, because Max asked me earlier, and I said, no, don't be so stupid, is um, don't be an idiot. Don't just... You stupid idiot. Calm, calm Stop down. Stop wasting down. my time. Calm. Um, Breath. Sorry. And um, so it doesn't count interferences in matches. It doesn't count returns where people, someone just comes out and cuts a promo or something. That has to be an entrance to a match because that's oh. what entrances are. Have you got to change your top five? Yep. God's sake. Right. Okay. I'll let it go. I'll let it. I'll let. You'll let it go. Okay. I'll let it it's go. a good return. It's a good return. I bet I know which one it is. Um, so, yeah. So Max has cast aside my rules already. But that is basically it. We would like to hear your favourite entrances. Have you even asked them this week, Max? Because you, you're unclear on the rules. I didn't ask them because I feel like it would confuse them. Do you remember when we asked them who's your favourite uh, champion? In de- when we meant all bouts and they just couldn't grasp the concept of it. So I feel like this would have been similar where they would have just named, oh, Undertaker's got the best entrance or Stone Cold's got the best entrance. So. Oh, I like Undertaker's bells. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, so, oh, Stone Cold drops glass, smashes, um, so... <laughs> <laughs> so, it's just mine and Jesse's opinion this week that we're doing, and one of the reasons this top five was inspired, well, two reasons, Jesse's got his reason, which he'll no doubt rant about in a second, but Maybe. another reason was, uh, we have a very special guest on the podcast this week, I did oh, an yeah. interview earlier in the week, uh... When I was a, at work, like an adult... Yeah, I work as well. Um, and we, I had an interview with the one and only Spike Trevay. Now, Spike is one of the biggest up-and-coming wrestlers on the UK scene at the moment. He's absolutely fantastic from mic work to in-ring work. So he sat down with me and we had a nice chat. And the reason I say entrances is because he was at an attack show at uh, on Monday. They did a Halloween spectacular. And he came out dressed as Theresa May dancing to Dancing Queen. So, best costume ever. Best entrance best, ever. 
I was it was very close to being in this top five, my friend. And uh, yeah, it was just magical. So the interview with Spike will be coming up shortly. Uh, so you get to listen to me and not Jesse for like half an hour, which is <sighs> you're welcome. You're welcome, listeners. And then we're going to go into our top five. But Jesse, you have an ulterior motive for why you want to do entrances, because you wanted to have a, a mini rant about what's going on currently in the product. Right. I know we don't like to talk about what's going on currently in the product, but I'm going to talk about what's going on currently in the product. So um, sure, after lots of deliberating, and it was sort of obvious it was going to happen, but we all prayed it wouldn't, I think. Um, Shawn Michaels has agreed to wrestle at least one more match. Now... Not only has he shaved his head and now he's bold, you you cannot be a sexy boy if you're bold. You just can't do it. No. It's... Sexy Kurt was on the border. Ex- exactly that, exactly. And the reason Sexy Kurt got over is because it was so against the grain. And um, so Shawn Michaels is bold, that's tragic. And also, it's a tag match with Triple H, so... You don't even get... We're not even going to get a proper Shawn Michaels entrance. We're going to get the stupid DX entrance. I hate... I love the DX entrance from the 90s, but I dislike the DX entrances. This one's going to be tragic. Just two old dudes, like, doing... Four old dudes. ...willy jokes and that. Uh, four? Well, oh, what? Like, their opponents, you mean? But yeah. it's... Yeah, but, I mean, DX's entrance specifically. It's like just these two old dudes shuffling down, like, doing dick jokes and that. And... I just wanted Sean's music. I wanted to see him come out in his chaps and dancing and that in Saudi Arabia. (laughs) And um, (laughs) it's, yeah, but it's not going to happen. And it's made me very sad because I love Sean Michaels' entrances. Every time I watch an old Sean Michaels match, I love watching him dance down. I love watching him pose in the ring with the fireworks. And we ain't going to get any of that shit. And it's made me angry. So that's why we're doing top five entrances, which is uh, very, very exciting. But before we get to all of that, may I please play my interview with the lovely Spike Trevay? Oh, you may. Here it is. Theresa May. Thank you very much for joining me, Spike. Thank you very much for having me, mate. Of course. Now, you are wrestler number seven, I think. So we've had uh, your ETM... Lucky, lucky number seven, eh? right. So we've had uh, ETM air quotes friends, TK Cooper and Chuck Mambo on previously. And yeah. we've also had your Riptide running mate, Chris Ridgway. So I'm very happy that you're kind of in the little circle as well. Oh, thank you very much. That's really, I'm glad. Uh, whenever I do anything like this, I always think, oh, it's nice that somebody wants to, it's nice that somebody wants to talk to me. It must mean, it must mean that things are going in the right direction a little bit, you know? I think we can say so, definitely things are going in the right direction for you. So that's definitely Oh, good. great. Thank <laughs> you. That's very kind, mate. Thank you very much. So the one thing I want to address straight off the bat is, uh, so normally after the interview, I'll ask you for like a promo picture, and then that'll go as like a little thumbnail. But yeah. events have happened this week, and uh, I so badly want to use the yeah. picture. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Teresa Trevay, you uh, <laughs> you debuted, <laughs> or you showed up at Attack dressed as uh, Teresa May, coming yeah, out as Dancing yeah. Queen. Yeah, 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 yeah that was... Yeah, that was two days ago now, yeah. Wasn't wasn't done in an ironic way, I feel, was it? What, what do you mean? <laughs> you seem to have the outfit ready. <laughs> what do you mean? You had the wig ready. Now, was that a special purchase, or were they kind of just lying around ready to go? Uh, I'm going to not want to answer that question, because <laughs> I, like, I quite like the mystery to hang in the air. I think so, quite too. Like, I'd quite like people to just... I'd quite like people to have that that little question hanging in the air, and then they can just they can just make their decisions about me. <laughs> um, I also want you, and I want to use this as well, to forever use the phrase "going to run through this promotion like a wheat field." 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I wanted to get the words Wheatfield in there somewhere, and I didn't. It didn't look. It didn't look like they were going to appear in the match at any point. So I was glad I was able to shoehorn it in. Good plan. Good plan. Where I could. And that entrance has actually inspired our top five topic this week. So me and Jesse, Jesse can't join us for this interview. Uh, we're going to be looking. Sorry, Jesse. <laughs> we're going to be looking at the top five most iconic entrances of all time. Oh right. So wow. so you you inspired us on that one. Now, should we uh should we do the classic interview kickoff and uh, start at yes. the beginning? What Sure, sure. The age old question, why did wrestling resonate with you? I just think it uh I just think it it just it just made me it just made me uh I, I it, like I told this story, I told this like, I'll, I'll do a quick rundown, a quick one on it cuz I don't, really, don't have an amazing amount of time, but like I I said this on a on a, on a separate uh, Brighton based podcast, which was that like I remember just watching. I remember watching. Uh, I think it, it must have been Velocity or SmackDown, and then uh, and then uh, there was just a big guy with long hair in the ring who later turned out to be Test. I later discovered it was Test, and then and then uh, and then a, a small, normal-looking guy with black hair came out, and he's on the microphone, and he says, and he starts saying to him, you know, he says to him like, "You can't be part of my family." Like you are a piece of dirt. Stay away from my sister, you know. And I was like, people solve their problems this way. <laughs> like, what is this? And he's like, you're gonna have to fight one of my friends. Or I can't remember the end. And that's the promo. I was only like eleven. But then I think. But then you know. And then the first match I ended up watching was ever I ever saw. I think was like Test versus Pete Gas, and it lasted like four minutes. Pete Gas. Forgot like, about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't ever forget about Pete Gas, Max. <laughs> Don't you ever forget. You bite your tongue, my friend. Don't you ever. But, um, yeah, and I think it was just, and that kind of stuff, and, th- and that kind of stuff just resonated with me. And then, obviously, like, it's, not, you know, and, like, the fact that what I do now as a performer and the fact that I was blown away by Shane McMahon doing a, you know, saying those things on, on the very first time is not is not a coincidence. You know, like those. That's that. You know that that has stayed with me the whole time. And uh, yeah, and from then I just yeah, I just, I just thought of, I don't know. I, I just think it's awesome. No, that that that's fair. I like that Shane McMahon was the one that kind of resonated with you because the same thing happened to Jesse. His um, first kind of highlight was SummerSlam 2000. You remember when Blackman Kendo sticked him off the scaffolding and he yeah he fell down and. Yeah, he he could have quite easily just landed on his head, and I just like that Vince is just perfectly fine with that, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think I've heard I've heard stories that apparently he was backstage being like, "Is he okay?" Like, I don't know, but like, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure in real life he's, he's he's a very loving father. Yes, of course. But like, um, yeah, but you know, I think that's. But I think for me, like the one that res, I think, he, and he's like Shane McMahon for me is has resonated with me all the way because he's not because I I. I connect with him a lot, not not like for like real character reasons, but just because like he's not, you know, like especially you know, like obviously now he does like jujitsu and things like that, and he's in like incredible shape. And I'm sure he was back then, but like back then he was much more, he was much more just a guy, you know, like he was, he, you know, he was an asshole. Like his character made him made him. He was an absolute, he was an absolute, uh, he, was, he was a terrible man, but. There was just something about him just being, he was just a man, you know, he, you know, he wasn't big, he wasn't jacked, but he was just a man taking like incredible risks with his body and, you know, and everything around him was story based and stuff. And I just, and I just, 
you know, I just hated him. Yeah. You know, I hated him. You know, when he would like slap someone in the face and just run around the ring, I would just get so excited because I wanted them to catch him. <laughs> you know, I, I wanted him to get beaten up. Same with Mr. McMahon. Like I just, I loathed both of them when I was a kid. I really hated them. Um, Do you think that kind think, of had a knock-on effect to your character? Because obviously you played a silver spoon, you know, aspect of that side of wrestling. And n- do you think that had any kind of impact on it? I don't think it had any impact on no, because the silver spoon thing I came across by accident. Like I didn't I, that the whole the whole like rich boy thing is not. Well, I mean, there's there's uh, you know there's there's elements of my life that are similar to that. Yeah. You know, like I did go to a very hoity-toity private school, but in real life, the school wasn't really for me. You know, like you know, st- you know, I, I, I was not, I was not, I, I was not well suited to the way the school was. Whereas, you know, whereas Spike very much is. Like, so there are aspects of him, th- of my real life, that relate to him. It, no, I, I think it doesn't. It's not about the way that it didn't influence my decision to be what Spike is. But it, I definitely feel like my loathing hatred for them was much stronger and triple h as well was much stronger than any love i had for any babyface. yeah no i think i think that makes sense and uh do you know what i mean yeah definitely and a quick plug there if uh, people haven't heard our top five vince mcmahon episode it's uh it's a doozy so <laughs> oh really i bet it is we uh got some clips in there's just too much crazy mcmahon to get into one episode it was just too much oh. too much <laughs> Me and me and uh, me and Teeks and Mambo sometimes get together. Mambo, uh, Teeks was doing it downstairs right now um, when I got home. Me and TK will sometimes, uh, well, when when we don't have anything going on, we uh, we're watch we're currently in the middle of watching old SmackDown reruns from uh, on the WWE Network from like I think two thousand and two onwards. I think we're in two thousand and four now. The good era. Uh, it's really good era, and this is like this is when, uh, and that was when. Um, but you know, Vince McMahon like fought his own like like in 2018 as well. Like it's so mad. Like watching it, like the, the storyline where he fought his own daughter <laughs> so that she, like so that she yeah. couldn't be the GM, and he like choked her out so much that like his that her mother, who he was blatantly cheating on with Sable on the other side of the ring, has to throw in the towel. Because he's beating up his daughter so brutally, oh, it was. Just, I, I just watch it. And you're like, what is like? What is life? <laughs> Vince McMahon, 2003 is just peak craziness. Because yeah, you mentioned the Stephanie thing, and we did a top five No Mercy matches, and Jesse was like adamant that that was his number two favorite No Mercy match of all time, and he defended it to the hilt. And I was just really concerned about him after that. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. You got the Zach Gowan. What's going on, know, right? And then you got the Zach Gowan stuff going on, and as you mentioned, Sable. So yeah, peak, peak, crazy man at that point. Crazy, crazy, crazy man. <laughs> crazy, crazy man. He got, he's gotten away with murder, isn't he? Oh, definitely. Like he's gotten away. Prob- like you know, well, I was going to make a joke there, but I probably shouldn't. Like I was going <laughs> to, I was going to be like he probably has, but you know, obviously, I'd quite, I'd quite like a job, please. So like um, I, you know, so I'll I'll say that ironically, but he uh, yeah, no, just he's gotten away with murder. It's just absolute genius, isn't it? It's, Him and Shane, what what genius is? It's a weird carny circus, is that wrestling business? You got to love it. Be- beautiful, yeah. It's, now the Spike character, where did that kind of like come from? Is that was it a natural progression or was it just like yeah, that makes sense? Let's lead with that. Uh, so he came about. In, um, he came about in a promo class uh, when I, when I was 
at the Prodo, now called Knuckle Locks. And uh, so, no, so he didn't really come, but like the sort of like, like the twinkle in the milkman's eye that was, uh, that, that, that made him come about was that, I, I, you know, I mean, it's, it's not a secret that I was once that I was once an actor. You know, like I was, I I went to a really good drama school. Like I was really fortunate to go to a good drama school, and all those things. And I've been acting for twenty years. So that kind of that kind of an improvisation, a lot improvisation, a lot was kind of my bread and butter, really. So like bouncing off of like people and things is, is something that like I enjoy and I've got a lot of experience in, and, and comes easier to me than others, I would say. But um yeah so we were just doing a promo class i just said and 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 somebody was like okay just do just just you know do cambridge versus so i'm from cambridge and it was like do cambridge versus essex with this girl and then i just didn't know what to do so just i instantly just turned up my accent and just sort of and it was just overly posh and just uh and then we just did this promo and everyone was laughing and stuff and and then i we stopped and i turned and everybody was just kind of like sort of wide-eyed and just kind of nodding at me and I was like and I, I you know and, and I remember and that's an experience that I'm used to in that I, you know used to be in drama school which was that you know you do an exercise or you do a performance and if you turn and you'd see everybody wide-eyed kind of nodding you'd be like oh this is the way I need to go I did well yeah you know and that and that was kind of what it was and, I, and then I sort of was like oh so and then I, somebody just said to me like I don't think anybody in British wrestling at the moment is doing is doing posh boy so uh you know that might be something for you to consider and then uh and then for me it was and then for me it was it was about making it my own so for me it was about taking the idea of a posh boy and then and then pushing it into the 20 in you know into the 21st century making it the 2018 posh boy not making it a caricature making him a person yeah do you, do you, do you know what yeah, i mean like yeah. making you, you yeah. got to build, build giving, something around just being a posh boy right so yeah giving giving him his own traits <clears throat> his own little idiosyncrasies like making sure that he was you know just like making because i think that like what's really good about him i think is that you know he's a you know he's he's got the posh boy thing but you can kind of put him in any situation and 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 I, I've, I'm quite, I've said this before like i'm quite proud of him i feel like you he can get heat in any situation. I was having this conversation with with uh, Chief Deputy Dunn the other day, mm-hmm. who is uh, a good friend of mine, and like I and, and he said to me, he was like, "What?" You, and he was really nice to me. He said, "Like what you've done is that like he's quite malleable. Like so, you can put him in like an adult crowd of like liberals, and people will call him a Tory and hate him. You can put him in front of kids, and they'll just see like an authority figure, posh guy, and they'll hate him. But at, but underneath it all, you're also just a dick." <laughs> doesn't mince words you know so it? like no he doesn't, but he was like you know he doesn't but he you know he was like but you're also just you know you're also, you've also got this thing of like you're just he's also like, he's not just posh like he's also a dick and you can rely on him to be a dick and you but you can also rely on him to have reasons to be a dick and what annoys you about and what i try to do with everything is i try to make everything i do seem justified to me at least yeah and, and i honestly think that comes across because uh thank you know, awesome. the first time i saw you was at riptide i think it was like the second show came out on the mic and there's just something about you on the mic and now that you mentioned the acting side of things that does make sense why you're so comfortable on it but you're like the, the only wrestler i know where 
I'll have a chat with you at merch. I'll see you just, you know, normally at the merch table. Lovely bloke. And then I'll see you a week afterwards. <laughs> and you'll come out to the ring and I go, God, this prick again. Just, just the way yeah, it yeah, up, you yeah, know, it, cool. it's, it's a really rare gift to be like that good. Oh, so thanks. yeah, I, I really love your mic work. And it's not just your mic work. So- it's um, how you are in the ring as well. You know, as you say, every action oh. has meaning to it. Um, oh, thank you. You're welcome, mate. So we're just, That's very kind. just complimentary here. Um, now, very quickly. I, struggle, you... I really struggle with compliments. I'm always really? things. It's awkward, isn't really, it? It's awkward. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's, like, it's, why it's, it's why it's good that, like, like when, you know, I don't I don't receive any praise while I'm in the ring because I'm really awkward with it. Well, and then people come. That's the last bit of praise I'll give you for the rest of the, rest of the interview. Awesome. So you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> now, just moving on to promotion side of things. Uh, you sure. recently worked at Kamikaze um, uh-huh. and had a fans bring the weapon match against Clint. Did yeah. you any... Now, I didn't get to go to this show. This is the first um, Coventry and first Cami show I've missed in quite a while. Now, uh-huh. what kind of weapons... I haven't seen the match yet. So what was there any personal favourite weapons that were bought? That were bought? Uh, some of them were mental. Like, somebody brought... I mean, it was funny stuff. Like somebody made a giant silver spoon, which was awesome. That was really cool. I think I hit him in the nuts with that. There was like a, there was like a squeaky rubber chicken. Uh, there was a toilet seat. I mean, there was like, so I did one once. I did one once for Anarchy with Jimmy Havoc. And like, there was like, there was enough stuff to do a good match, but there wasn't like loads of stuff. And some of it was really obscure. Whereas like Kamikaze, there was honestly, man, I felt so bad for some of the fans because they brought them, but there were literally baskets of stuff. Like there was like three or four baskets filled with stuff. But the, I kind of want to do a shout out to it because we didn't use it because both me and Clint were too terrified. But there was one there was one thing that was a beanie baby that had like three inch nails sticking out of it. Jesus. Like someone had absolutely murdered this beanie, this little I think it was like either pink or blue. It was a pink or either or blue uh teddy bear beanie baby and it had I'm not kidding, it had like twenty like three inch nails <laughs> sticking out of it and i don't know how they managed to i've never like made like a weapon in that in that sense so i don't or done any seamstressing so like i don't know how because like i don't know how they managed to like get all of the pointy ends outwards and then the and then you know the back ends in and just have it stay there it was the most it was the most savage thing we were saying me and Clint looked at it for ages being like how can we use this and then eventually we were just like, we're just too, we're just, just too afraid. Just can't be done. Just can't be done. <laughs> yeah, we were just like, it's just too risky. Sometimes they, it's just too risky. Sometimes people bring things like, I've only done two of those matches, but sometimes people bring things and you just think, oh, I, I just can't use that. Yeah, like it's just, it's just too dangerous. Like somebody at the last, at the Anarchy show brought when I did it against Jimmy Havoc. Like this was like a few months after I went through the mirror at progress, and somebody brought a mirror. All right. And I was like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I'm not doing that again. I was like, what happened last time? Like, why did, like, and he's like, and then I saw him afterwards. He's like, hey, it was me that bought the mirror. I'm a huge fan. And I was like, are you? <laughs> are you so really? Do you want to get me here? Doesn't, doesn't seem like the actions of someone who is a huge fan after, like, what happened last time. No, bring me a pillow. Bring um, me something nice. Bring me, yeah, just bring me, bring me money. Bring me money, guys. <laughs> bring me money. Uh, yeah, and then the other thing which we uh, used for the finish was uh, a bit was was um, uh, like a table of light tubes. Somebody made like a table of light tubes that had like I don't know, it had like it must have had like forty light tubes in it. Jesus! 
and we, me and Clint were like, and it was whoever made that. I want to give them a shout out to them because they really like made that match. Because me and Clint backstage were like, oh god, I really would like some light tubes. And they, and so they was, delivered. Did, didn't you say yeah, they, your your elbow got all fucked up from the light tubes? Or was that that's that bit? No, it, they didn't get fucked up. For, I mean, the, like indirectly they did, but like I went through the light tubes. Uh, I went through the light tubes and then like uh, and then they were fine and then uh, I, and then the other day I just sort of picked my elbow where like without thinking about it and then it like got infected. Gross. And then uh, yeah yeah it was good. And then I and then I and then I discovered TCP kids. I always remember TCP if you fall Di- into light tubes. Dilute that TCP and rub that on your skin. <laughs> that will that uh, like honestly that that turned that changed that that turned the whole situation on its head. There you go, mate. New sponsorship but, um, deal. Yeah, TCP. <laughs> so yeah, with that match and obviously work with Anarchy Pro and stuff. So you seem to be uh-huh. doing a lot more hardcore than a lot of other guys out there. And you have another match yeah. coming up at Cami, which I have to do a cheap plug of now. Teaming with Jimmy Havertz to take on Clint Margera and Luke Douglas in a tag team death match on November 16th yeah. for the Empire and Coventry. Tickets are available soon. Oh, plug in. Was that wow. your choice or was that your choice, I should say, or do fans just want to see you get hurt? No, they just, that's just what Kamikaze did. Like, I don't, I'm not really a, I, I think I love deathmatch wrestling. Yeah. I really love it. Uh, I've kind of backed myself into a bit of a corner where, like, I've done a few, I've done a few death matches and a few no DQs, and I keep and I find myself being booked for, like, I find people taking me on for bookings, uh, and then uh, and then it gets announced and it, it's it's some sort of death match or some sort of no DQ, uh, so. So I've kind of backed myself into a corner where um, people, I think, I need I need to start uh, I need to st- not start not doing them because I do love them. I think they're I think they're great and I think I, I think they're tremendous fun. And um, but yeah, I end up I have I have done a lot recently and I've got like a few more coming up and I am quite eager to get the old just to get uh, back on some uh, some sing just some some good healthy singled action. Yes. Uh, um, yeah, like, it's not to say that I don't like them. I do, I do definitely like them. You know, I got, I, I got into them for a reason. But uh, I am also very keen to. Um, I am also very like. I feel like with uh, with death matches, the only way to up the ante is to go a bit crazy. Yeah, is 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 to take bigger risks. Whereas I think the only, whereas I think with like singles matches and. And tag team matches and just just like non non weapons based wrestling, the other like the way to up the ante is 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 the need to improve and to and to get better. Yeah, definitely. Because as you say, once you've done one spot in a hard in a uh, death match, you've got to you look at the guys at Fight Club, um, like the Project Mayhem stuff with uh, Drew when they did the. Death Valley drivers off the top of the scaffolding and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Just... Be- be- like, be- like beautiful deathmatch wrestling. Oh, incredible! Like, Absolutely incredible! Like incre- incredible, incredible deathmatch wrestling. But you know, it's like they did it last year, and they have to just go so much bigger. But like, like incredible match. Like, you know, I really, I like, I've, I've wrestled Jimmy Clint and Drew on numerous occasions, and you know, and I'm a big fan of, uh, I'm a big fan of RSP. Definitely. So. You know, like meeting him at Wembley was a bit was a was a was a little bit of like a in a in a, in a marking out for me because I think he's I think he's awesome. Oh yeah, how was Wembley? So, how did you find it? Oh, it was sick, mate. Yeah, it was great. 
it was it was amazing it was such an amazing it was such an amazing experience it was nice it was um you know you get we got there with all these people who like i already like i really like and admire all those people that were in in the match to be honest uh like uh you know i got there you know it was sort of like in the final four which was cool and then uh you know and then people it's funny because like it's funny because like it's like it's, it's that whole dick thing again so like i was in so i was in the final four so people were kind of like deciding what they wanted to do and and all that kind of stuff and i was like i don't need to do much like I, I, i'm in the final four i don't need any more than that really yeah that was the, that was my thinking i was just i'm in the final four like oh i'm in the final four with like some really great friends like i'll be able to like have a great time and you know that that means more to me than anything else and then i had and then we were putting the match together and just any spot that just required just required a complete arsehole they'd just be like yeah spike can do that <laughs> so i'd be like so RJ had his spot with sticks and they were like, yeah, and then we should get eliminated. And uh, yeah, Spike should be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> like just anything that required like, you know, and then and then Ricky Shane Page was like, you know, do you need to eliminate someone else? And I was like, no, I'm cool. And then Ricky Shane Payne is like, well, I haven't been eliminated yet. Do you want to with me? And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> yes. Yes, please. You know, do, you know, so it's, it's so I ended up getting these these amazing opportunities just by sort of standing there and just sort of like trying to trying to like let everybody else do what they needed to do and then just people came to me whenever they just needed a, com- a complete arsehole pays to be a dick that's what i'm learning from this podcast it pays it is it pays to be a dick guys <laughs> now speaking mm. of promotions we obviously have to speak about riptide um and the first yeah. let's call it year which ended with you and mambo and mambo became the first ever brighton championship um damn it damn him and I spoke about this with Josh when he was on, and he was talking about the building of storylines and how important it was, and it made sense to have things built around you for the year, um, with obviously how Brighton is. How important was that match and just Riptide in general in that first initial year run? Incredibly, incredibly, incredibly important. Progress, progress gave me an opportunity in that they they allowed me to in that they you can't have a better you know it's it's harder to argue that it's hard to argue that you could have a better platform starting out than pro- uh, progress no you know like than then progress you know like they you know so that they they put me they gave me some good matches and, and made me and made me known and made people aware of me riptide i think riptide what they did was i wouldn't be where anywhere near I, where you know i, I def you know i definitely i don't think i would have been on uh attack in london and this past sunday if it wasn't for riptide I don't think people would know who I was. I don't think people know who I would know who I am. I don't. I think Riptide has changed my life. You know, like I, it really has. Like I can't. I, I. I really can't. I mean, they all have, but Riptide has has, has really, really changed my life. Excellent. Yeah, because because the match itself, the the championship match, when it came to it, it was. It's very rare in a promotion to have kind of a year of storyline built um, on an independent show. And specifically yeah. with, you know, uh, Ridgeway and uh, Moser at ringside and then eventually Sexsmith coming back. It, it was just yeah. such a fantastic moment. I was, I was there and I was just like just blown away by, by that match and how it was kind of put on. So, thank you. Yeah, unbelievable match. Oh, shit. I thank wasn't going to compliment you. Chuck was great. You were shit. Great. Thanks, man. <laughs> no, honestly. Thanks. Loved it. Um, thanks. So, That's really, that means a lot. We, would, we were... 
we had that in the bag for months and months and months. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we were very, so we were very, very, um, very happy with the with the way that it finished. And then obviously, Riptide still moving forward. We've got a show coming up in November, which is sold out now. And uh, so I presume ah. the evolution of Spike is now chasing the championship, or is there no direction at the moment? Yeah, uh, I think there. I think I mean I think you have to find well, out, but I think well. I don't I don't think uh, I think I think Mister I think Mister Mister Sexsmith is has got to be his main focus now. I think so too, I think so. I think <laughs> I think we need to I think I think we need to nip that. If you just turn him on a bit, I think we need to nip that in the bud. To be honest, <laughs> so we'll have to see. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I know no, you're kind of pressed for time, so we'll just uh, do a couple more. So I'm actually I'm actually cool for time by the way. Time. Just so you oh, know, okay. yeah, I'm okay. okay. We could just chat about anything then. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you grow up, Max? Oh, you know, back in back in Cheltenham, here, here and there. And there. So, uh, what has been your kind of personal favourite moment so far from your wrestling career? From my wrestling career, standing in uh, standing in a progress ring, uh, facing the standing in a progress ring facing the entrance way and listening to Jimmy Havoc's music and waiting for him to walk through the curtain. That was the biggest. That was when I started wrestling, and I became. I wasn't. I I was a big WW. I was a WWE guy, really. I, I had no idea about. I I didn't have any idea. I didn't know anything. I didn't know well the sport. I didn't know anything, you know. So I I, I wasn't aware that there even was a British scene. So I, I had no idea who any of these amazing people were, uh, and all these people who have built this amazing scene for like me and people like Chuck Mambo and and TK and Candy Floss and Damon Moser and you know Roy Johnson and Ashmore and all these people and and other people I'm just trying to name all my friends now but like for, for all of us to for all of us to like you know to, you know to use that an old um phrase like clasp all these brass rings you know like all, you know this this amazing like platform that all of these guys before us have all these guys in NXT UK and in Japan as well have done for us like I wasn't even aware of them three years ago how crazy is that um but for me i I think like for for me like there's just something about jimmy i've said this before like on many things and i've told him i told him once when i was really drunk and then he told me he'd quite like to wrestle me and i was like jimmy i want to cry and he was like walk away from me (laughs) um (laughs) but like uh that was i i'd always had this like big dream i'd always had this real fantasy of just standing in the ring and just hearing that music and just waiting for him to walk towards me uh, and whatever happened after that was just a bonus. Excellent. So uh, that was, and that was, and th- and that was, and what was amazing about that was like there was a time when we in progress you weren't allowed to use your own music anymore. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you were, and then now you're not at all. So like in that in that window, I, I managed to get it in in that window. Yeah, that, that's impressive. So <laughs> they they put me in in that window, which was like was totally lucked out for me because that was like a dream. And like if you and like you can see me in the thing. Like a few people have commented on it on Twitter. Like you can see me. If you watch the music back, I'm stood there and I'm just mouthing the words. <laughs> Cause I'm just so, I'm just so excited. I'm just, I'm just so excited. I'm just like, I need to just, you know, I'm just trying to stay in that moment as much as possible. Oh, that's brilliant. Cause it, that was it. Like that was probably the biggest one. Inter- like 
uh, that was my fave. That's kind of like the the dream come true. Stat like the moment where the final four happened at Wembley, and then me, TK, Mambo, and Riddy were all looking at each other, and then the crowd started to kind of come up a little yeah. bit because it was us. Um, that was an amazing moment. Uh, the moment where I had to roll out of the ring at Riptide as quickly as possible because otherwise I get trampled on by people trying to get to Mambo was pretty cool. Oh, and the ring broke. And the ring bent. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was pretty cool because like. As a villain, I think as I try, I'm trying. I, I pride myself on the fact that I'm trying to really keep be a villain. You know, like I really, really want to be a yeah. villain, and I want to do it the right way. Not that there's any wrong way, but I want to do it the right way for me. Um, and I don't think there's any better feeling of a, of a villain than I remember. Like when I when I wrestled Connor Mills once on a on a Freedom's Roadshow, uh, and I and I won, and then I left, and I just left the ring. And then I came walking through the curtain and RJ Singh was there and a load of them were there. And RJ Singh looked at me and he went, good job. And I was like, cool. And then I started talking. And I said, thanks, RJ. I appreciate it. Like, you know, have you got any feedback? And he went and he was like, he was like, before you go anywhere, just listen. Just everyone be quiet. Just listen. And then I, the whole thing went quiet. And then the whole, and I could hear like Connor, who's obviously amazing, but that was like Connor's debut really um, for progress. Like, and I could hear everybody in the rear, everybody outside, like really coming up for Connor after the match. And like, and he was like, Connor's amazing, but you did that together. Nice. So, so, you know, that's a really big thing, I think, for a villain to be able to stand behind the curtain and listen to them come up for the baby face in that way. Because yeah. that, that for you, that means that you did your job. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's as much as your job to be hated as it is to make the other guy loved so to be to be the folly for them to do that you know and that's and i think that's you know so you know for so that's great but to be a but to have to roll out of the ring as quickly as possible because otherwise you're going to get trampled because everybody wants to get to the baby face that's just like an uber version of that isn't it that really is yeah (laughs) so that was that was pretty cool nice so looking towards the future all optimistic and wide-eyed where where do you want to kind of head for the future? Obviously, the UK division is absolutely insane at the moment, NXT UK. Um, but is that where you would want to kind of end up? Or Japan, America? What's your kind of headspace at the moment? I want... I, would, I just want to... I don't know. I just want to end up where I end up, cool. really. Like, um, I, you know, I'll take things as they come. I won't accept anything without thinking about it. Uh, but I've still got I've still got so much time, you know. I've, I've I, I feel like I've got um, you know like I'm only I've only been like on shows since August 2016. Is that it? Yeah. Jeez, so I've got been a while. No, so it's only it's only been like two. It's only been like two years, really, two and a bit years. Yeah. So I still have all this time. I still like in my mind, like I've still got all this time to get better and to do all this stuff and like make and like sort of make my way on the independent scene while all of these people who have been doing it for much longer than me and 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 have built the scene for me, they, you know, they get all of the opportunities that they deserve now, you know, so they so while they're going on. So for, for me, the immediate future is while all of these amazing guys are getting all of the opportunities that they absolutely deserve, there are spaces that are appearing for them. And my uh, immediate aspiration 
is to make my name in those spaces while they get what they deserve and then and then hopefully over time i can develop my skills and 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 work on getting better and becoming something that either wwe or japan or world of sport will want no that that makes complete sense i i, I remember tk saying something similar obviously nxt would be great but you've got all these spots opening up now where you can kind of thrive and and kind of build yourself so yeah that makes perfect sense you know i think i think there's i also think like there's something very like as an actor it just i worked so hard at drama school and as an actor everything just was like thumbs down like it was so difficult and i just didn't like the industry in any way really uh and you know now i'm finally in control and things seem to be going quite well for me and especially now like you know it's tuesday the 16th now mm-hmm. um attack was like two days ago and my twitter's just been going off with just like really good appreciation i just put up a tweet uh yesterday that was like hey i've got some spaces in december like duh, 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 i'm taking bookings for next year and it got like uh, i don't know it got like 30 retweets nice so like that so for me that's you know that's a real honor um so there's still there's there's so much for me to do here before i go anywhere else and a lot of that is and a lot of that is getting better yeah you know a, a lot of that is improving and and getting better and listening and and just being around my friends and, and making friends and you know and just being around all these amazing people and and stuff like that really i, d- I don't really have I I'm, I don't I I don't really expect anything ever. No, no, that makes I just sense. I just I just want to do what I want and just be the best that I can be and keep learning. I dare say that in about I was going to say a year in about six months I'll probably feel completely differently about my career and my character than I do now, and I think that's a really exciting thing that I never know how I'm going to feel. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Wow, a, good answer. I think you've given the best answer yet. That's very nice. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so now yeah. everyone's dreaded bit where we spring a top five. <laughs> okay. I think, so uh, TK did it like that. We asked him top five cruiserweights knocked out of the park. Uh, Ridgeway sat there for a good 20 minutes trying to figure out our top five favourite wrestlers. So What was what, what was Riddy's top five? Uh, who did he have? He had, what did I ask him? It was either people he wants to wrestle or like favourite. He had like Suzuki in there. Uh, basically all the people who he wants to to hit him really hard is was his yeah, he job. loves it doesn't he, he he's obsessed with like he loves fighting suzuki uh, and stuff and i'm like you're mental yeah no he's he's on he's a, he's just another level of he's just another level of hard man awesome isn't yeah, he super intense well when we did yeah. the interview we just had a match with Legero, and i emailed him before and i was like oh we'll, we'll do an interview and he cut his tongue and broke his tooth so there's like all this blood and I was like, we'll reschedule the interview, it's fine. He's like, nah, it's fine, it's fine. Just give me a chance to spit out blood and we'll be fine. Yeah, he just doesn't care, does he? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, He's awesome. So for yourself, we can either go with the classic top five wrestlers of all time, or because you're so yeah. good at the whole bad, healy guy kind of thing, <laughs> we could ask okay. uh, top five best heels. Now that could be currently working or of all time. Uh, top five best... Top five best heels. He's going. Should we do He's that? Going for it. All right. Should we do that? Uh, do they have to be in order, or can I just name five? No, no, no just name five. Uh, Ric Flair. Um, you think you think like oh, it's it's gonna jump out at you? Yeah. 
It depends what it is. Uh, Paul Heyman. Mm-hmm. Um, Ric Flair. Paul Heyman. Paul Robinson. Ooh, good one. Jimmy Havoc. Uh, just who do, who do we... Oh, do you, know who, do you know who was good? Finley. Finley. Good shout. Finley was... Yeah. Finley was good, wasn't he? Yeah. Like, because Finley, because the thing about Finley was that, like, I hated him because he would come out and he'd have a match, and I'd just be like, "What's the point? He's just going to hit him with that shillelagh." Yeah. What's What's the point? I hate him. So yeah, I'm sure there are others. Those are just the five that just come to me right now. But, yeah, but Paul Robinson, Robinson, Jimmy yeah, Havoc, Robinson's fantastic. I remember I just looked at him funny and at a crowd, and he got on my face, and I was like, "What's What's happening? Why is?" I know. <laughs> I know, I know. He's so scary, isn't he? Such a scary, scary man. man. Such a, he's such a scary man, like out there. And then, like you know, and then like you'll be you'll be backstage eating an oatmeal raisin cookie, and you're like, does anyone want a cookie? And he's like, yeah. So he's like, yeah. <laughs> such a such a funny guy. Like, yeah. Um, and obviously, yeah, Heyman, best best mic guy for for managing side of things. I don't know. I, I want to take some out now, like because Vince has got to be in there somewhere, isn't he? You can adjust. I'll allow adjustments or on a, honorable mentions. Honorable, okay. I, I, like Vince has got to go in there because Vince was hated yep. for years, wasn't he? Um, I mean, Tommaso Champa's wicked. Oh yeah, yeah. Like such a bold move to like come out to no music. Yeah, I'm really disappointed they've kind of given the music now. I missed a I missed a silence and the booze. Yeah, the silence and the booze was incredible. Like, what more do you want? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I could just go on and on. It's really hard. Yeah. Like, I'll, eventually, I will just get to like fifteen. But like, <laughs> or, or we'll end up on the call, and you'll be like, "Ah, oh, damn it, I forgot that one. Or, I forgot that one." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's gonna happen. I'm gonna wake up in cold sweats tonight, being like, "Ah!" Like, I'm gonna be like, "Spike, stop emailing really? me heels. Just stop it." Yeah, <laughs> Spike, leave me alone. Like, um. Yeah, I think that, that's really. a solid choice. Then, I, I don't think we've ever done heels, top five heels. I think I'll, I might yeah. not have to do that one. What was the other? And what the other one? Top five wrestlers or top five wrestlers I want to wear? Ooh, well, you could do both if you can feel like you're feeling confident. Oh, you don't have to. So, top five favorite wrestlers. Top five favorite wrestlers: uh, uh, Jimmy Havoc, Triple H, uh, Shane McMahon. Uh, Eddie Guerrero, um, uh, and Eddie Guerrero, and um, somebody like really classic who like has like someone from when I was younger. Uh, oh, Chris Hero, Chris Hero, thanks. Yeah. Well, yeah, I can see, I can see. A lot of influence in there. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ed, Eddie's always a good shout. I think Eddie ends up in everyone's list at some point or another. He's got to be. Got to be. Got to be. Well, lovely. I've subjected you to top fives now. Uh, you know our pain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know, right. Um, so, thank you for doing this. Let's do the old uh, merch plug and where everyone can find you and uh, go from there. So, Merch, where, where's the best place for people to go and find that stuff? And uh, I don't know how this happened, but I own two Spike Travelli t shirts. Little, little mark over here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um, you can find any merchandise of mine at um, spiketravelli.bigcartel.com. Uh, in the coming uh, months, I'm going to 
get a couple of more things out. I think I'm going to have, uh, I'm going to make a, I've got a new logo that I'm going to put out, I think maybe on jumpers uh, or hoodies. And then I think, and I, I've in the works, I've got an idea for a Spike Treve Christmas jumper. That's the best news ever. uh so yeah that my uh twitter and instagram are both i are both at uh spike trevay at spike trevay one i'm very active on twitter i'm pretty active on instagram not that active on facebook um just terrible for promoting facebook we we just gave up on it it's like no just not working no it's just (laughs) friends and family isn't it pretty much pretty much um so yeah, those that you can you can find me those if you'd like to engage with me or be insulted for everyone to see. I'm your man. Quite good at it. Um, quite good. If you uh, if you live uh, in some if you live in a somewhere not of the UK and uh, big cartel tells you that I don't ship to those places, I absolutely do. Please contact me person. Please just uh, 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 at me on Twitter and I'll get in contact with you and we'll sort it out personally excellent well thank you for your time today i greatly appreciate it uh, it's nice having a chat and uh yeah honestly everyone uh if spike's on a show i know there's a lot of stuff coming up riptide for one kamikaze i mentioned uh we've got the guy from wrestling resurgence on the next episode and oh cool and you're doing resurgence they've got a november show as well right november 23rd i'm wrestling jimmy havoc uh there Excellent. Uh, I'm also wrestling uh, Rob Sharp uh, this weekend, uh, Saturday the 20th of October, in a no DQ match, of course. Uh, um, yeah, also, everybody, just also, uh, I just want to big up like a couple of new promotions. There's Breed, who are going to start next year. They seem to be, uh, they seem to really want to pick things up. There's Courage in Ireland. They're new. They're trying to pick things up. Um, yeah, so keep your eyes out for those. Like me and TK and Mambo are very excited about those two promotions. Um, uh, and obviously, just keep supporting British wrestling. Just keep support, keep supporting. Please keep supporting me because I quite like doing this. Uh, and you know, and thanks for being so loud in your hatred for me. I really do appreciate it. Um, you know, thanks for helping me make my dream come true. Excellent. That's a perfect sign-off. Thank you, Spoke, for doing this, and uh, Thank you. we'll catch up soon. Bye. Thank you. Bye. And there was the interview <laughs> with Spike. There it was. Wasn't he a nice chap? Nothing Lovely. like his in-the-ring persona. Exactly. Separate the people, guys, but boo, boo him to shit when he's in the ring. Yeah, exactly. He just makes you do it anyway. He just makes you do it. And we didn't know, before you booked him for the interview... Um, We've now taken over his house. We've got till five interviews. Yeah, lives with Teak. Mambo comes over, so we uh, yeah, yeah. We, we own the household. That's so if they're yeah. listening, hi TK, hi Mambo, hi Spike. He's bound to listen to this. This is his own interview. Of course he is. Um, yeah, who you got signed up for the next interview, Max? On your every interview, every show this year. Uh, next interview is the promoter from Wrestling Resurgence, which is a new company based up in the north. They had a a uh, show last month called Spandex Spandex Ballet, where they did the first ever artcore match, where fans bring the colouring pencils, I think was the theme of it, and it's a very funny match if you haven't watched it. It all starts with them with like drawing easels in the ring, and then, yeah, Jimmy gets involved and it's just mental, but it's uh, very good. So I'm very excited to speak to uh, Sam 
and pick his brains about the promotion, where it's going, and his views on the current UK circuit. Well, be still my beating ball bag. Were you kind of hoping that I didn't have one so you could berate me? Yeah, I was. uh, Yeah, I got... uh, (laughs) You you left me stranded, son. Shut down. Okay, so let's get on to our top five. Let's get down to the brass tacks of why people tune into this show, Jesse Benz. Let's do it. This is definitely why they tune in, isn't it? The fact that our ratings go up when we have interviews is just coincidence, I reckon. I reckon it's the wrestlers just listening to themselves. Very egotistical. You reckon just spamming F5 or whatever you have to do to listen to a podcast? I don't know. I don't know how life works. Read a book, you losers. Um, And another fun fact. Oh, yeah, go on. Um, So, Progress had a show at Wembley, and there was a pre-show battle royale. The final four in that match was TK Cooper, Chuck Mambo, Spike Trevay, and Chris Ridgway. All been Ah! on this podcast. That's amazing. Got till five, final four. Boom. Boom. Hey, um, Spike gets his own... Um, have you been keeping up with the website and putting our alumni on? Um, That's yes. a no. I think, <laughs> I think you need to get back on that, mate, because uh, they're good-looking pages, and I like that they all get their own little colour, like a Power Ranger. Yes, I'll find a... I feel like Spike needs green for money. We'll get green, Spike nice. Green. Or you blue for put... Tory. Like, who knows? Nice, yeah, 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 that's good. Um, you need to put up um, Joe from the other week and all. Oh, yeah, yeah, forgot about Joe. I, I've mainly just been putting up um, wrestlers, because we've got we've had people like uh, Jim Lee, and we've had... Yeah, put them up! Josh Bevan. Put them up! Put them up, get them up there. Put them all up, everyone's equal. Everyone's welcome. Look, this is a podcast for everyone. If they've been on, they deserve a little alumni page. You're right, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll get on that as soon okay. as possible. Okay, and you should probably make one for us while you're at it. Why do we need alumni page? We're the... Not alumni, but like we need. I, I want my own colour. <laughs> <laughs> do you want a little about me page? Just for yeah, you? I do. We do need you to do write a photo well? shoot. Yeah, of course I do. We need to do a photo shoot with that. We need to. We're taking this to the next level. It's year two, Max. It's show forty for God's sake. <laughs> okay, we're gonna. Can we do a photo shoot where it's just like, in, but it's like engagement photos? So yeah. it's just us in a field, like oh. Can I kiss you? Yeah, exactly. We're just lying down, legs kicking in the air. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Um, okay, let's play the drop for the top five and get on with this um, ridiculous life of ours. <laughs> Here's the drop. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Are you ready? Oh, hell yeah. And there it was. There it was. So bloody professional. Um, as okay, go, go number five. <laughs> So professional. Uh, you're leading, remember? We discussed that not five minutes ago. Okay, did we? Yeah. No, you said I could do the intro next week. That was no, what we were talking about with the... Yeah, and the... then I said, you do the first top five because I'm still unclear on the rules. Oh, I wasn't listening to that bit. Um, okay, um, so <laughs> I'm going to start um, with... Um, this is an odd one, and maybe a slightly hipstery one, I don't know. But... Um, it's something that someone that I know for a fact is um, possibly your favourite wrestler of all time, Max. Ooh. I have it on. I have it on good authority. 
It is from ICW Fear and Loathing 8, the entrance of Gredor. Oh, my God. <laughs> Pick another one. No, see, Pick it's, it's... another one. No, see, you're, you've done this to me, mate, because you're the one that always picks a silly number five and it's rubbed off on me, maybe. But have you actually seen it? No, because it's Grado. Why do you hate Grado? Grado's brilliant. Now, um, Grado um, was in the main event of Fear and Loathing 8. Fear and Loathing is like the um, WrestleMania of ICW in many ways. It was their biggest show to date. I'm sure they've done bigger since, but um, it was massive like and filmed really well and yeah just grado's what honestly watch it grado's in the main event he's challenging for the title and it was at his peak of being over being like you know the comedy underdog that everyone loves and you know he comes out to um like a prayer by madonna yeah and they sort of did this amazing slow version of the song first before it hit into the main song and it was just so epic and the commentator i don't know his name i wish i did the um icw commentator who is brilliant he does an amazing job um is just like jr level of passion shouting for grado and how he's earned his spot and all this and he gives grado a high five as he walks past it's just a really really um goose pimply um, entrance seeing a dude who has got over completely on his own terms you know sort of home crowd home company you know he was the face of icw in many ways it's just it's just awesome it's just at wrestlemania level wwe wish that they could evoke emotion like that from a um entrance very good <laughs> no you have to honestly <laughs> I, will, have, I will i will i will go and watch it i will uh... watch it entrances are like two minutes dude it's 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 good i promise okay i'll, I'll become a grado fan do i don't what have you got against him We've had this discussion before. I just, I just don't like him. <laughs> That's not a reason. It's not. You like? Is it? Do you, do you not think he's talented? He, he, he can wrestle. He's, he's pretty good. I just, he just doesn't resonate with me. I just, I don't see the appeal whatsoever. Do you hate Scottish people? I love Scottish people. I think you hate them. I want to marry them. You told me off air that you wish <laughs> that they'd all die of heroin overdoses because they're all drug addicts. I, I don't recall that conversation. That's what you said to me. You said, I hope they all die of heroin overdoses and the ones that don't can just eat fried chicken till they die because they're all fat fuckers too. That's exactly what you said. <laughs> uh, I don't think we have listeners in Scotland, so thank fuck for that. <laughs> well, yeah, lucky, lucky for your potty mouth. <laughs> Good, good, uh, interesting opener. I think you've actually beaten me for random number five. <laughs> okay, what's yours? I thought mine was going to be semi out there. Mine is from a Raw, November 19th, 2007. November, let me think about this. November 19th, 2007. We're just before Survivor Series of that year. We're three months after Chris Benoit has died. Um... It's the second coming. You're not going to get it. Does it involve a code? It does involve a code. Ah, I think I know what it is. It is the second coming of Y2J, Chris Jericho. And this is when Jericho's returns mattered. And he yes. didn't just show up wearing a mask every week. No. <laughs> Do you remember his return against New Day when New Day were doing a countdown on the um, on the big screen? And then the countdown changed into Jericho's countdown. I do. That was a shame because uh, the crowd were absolutely dead for it. 
But as an idea, pretty cool. That was a pretty cool return idea. Yeah, it was brilliant. And I loved this one. Obviously, Jericho's 2000 debut was amazing, but I never watched it live. 99. 99. Um, It was never someone I watched live. It was something I watched many years later when it was like talked about moments so i remember watching this one and the case of it was uh there was a secret code happening for a couple of weeks uh with the code save us and all these different things relating and people were generally trying to crack the code it wasn't that obvious there were people online being like what does it mean what does it mean in hindsight <laughs> it was quite easy to figure out randy Orton was champion at the time and he had oh yeah the... you would say that say what in hindsight it was actually quite easy to figure out i mean if you're me Shut up. And then uh, Randy Orton was champion, and he had a passing of the torch ceremony. And there was this guy who ran from, like, Miami <laughs> or somewhere. And he's just running through the parking lot, dripping in sweat with this Olympic-style torch. And then this clothesline comes out of nowhere. Camera pans back, and Jericho's in his pose, you know, arms outstretched, back to the camera. Crowd are losing their shit at this point. Then you cut back to the arena and the code starts deciphering and it reveals Save Us Y2J and the countdown starts and then Jericho comes out, Pyro goes fucking mental and the crowd are just absolutely loving it. Uh, but then he cuts a promo like Jack Black. I don't know if you remember Jericho. <laughs> in two, I'm just waiting for him don't to go, give it a ruin that promo for me mate because i actually it's one of my favorite promos of all time that jericho return promo and i hate jack black with every like raw bone in my body Mm. so don't ruin. do you know blues traveler the band blues traveler i do i'm a massive fan of blues traveler and i was playing them to someone the other week and they went oh the singer sounds like um when jack black sings i'm like oh great so that's one of my favorite (laughs) bands everything's ruined i can never listen to him again never listening to hook ever again yeah over done (laughs) But it was it was a brilliant return, and it set up one of Jericho's best runs in WWE. It's when he was back with the short hair. He got the Intercontinental title run. The Code Breaker was brought back. Uh, then glittery, we got... glittery waistcoat. Glittery, it was too glittery. To it was handle. made of it was made of a chandelier. I think. I think you're right. I think you're 100 percent right. And then he went on to face Michaels in the famous heavyweight title feud, which was absolutely fantastic. So, and then Jericho. So he was only back for like two years, but the two years of when he was back, I think, was Jericho's best WWE work, personally. It was very good. I agree. Um, I like that. Uh, talking about that opening promo, it's, it's like Jack Black. That I do like it when he um, he says Randy Orton has child-bearing hips. <laughs> <laughs> he does. I've always I've always remembered that, and every time I look at Randy Orton, I look at his um, child-bearing hips. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Jericho for me coming back the second time was uh, was a special moment. That's good. I mean, technically breaks the rules, but um, I will let you have it because it was a good. I, I, I was actually going to break the rules for my number three as well, but I've uh, switched out now, so we're all good. <sighs> oh wait, um, we know what our crossover sound is going to be, but we haven't told the dear listeners. Um, oh yeah, obviously, as you know, if we have a crossover. We play a sound drop, and then me and Jessica get to talk about it together because one of us stole the other person's. And this week we decided on Sexy Boy. I'm just a sexy boy. This is what we won't be hearing when Shawn Michaels returns for a wrestle. In Saudi Arabia. In Saudi Arabia. Yes. Um. Yes. They. Uh, yes. Uh, maybe that's that's a good something I hadn't thought of actually because they're not into like sexualized stuff are they so maybe maybe that's why they had to do it yeah yeah so to cover up sean being all sexy in that maybe i don't know 
I hadn't thought about that till just now. What an interesting thought. Does it make you feel um, a bit better? No, okay. um, they just shouldn't be doing it at all. I like that. Uh, did you see what Kevin Nash said about this whole Saudi Arabia controversy and stuff? Though he's like, he's like, man, it's a book. It just do it. He's like, he's like, this, he's like, this isn't the UN. It's a show, and he's kind of right. <laughs> so I know what he means. <laughs> As he sips his pina, I love WE stubbornness around the whole Saudi Arabia thing. It's like, fuck you, they're paying us a lot of money. Yeah, I think they they pretty much got a record of saying the only way they won't do it at this point is if Donald Trump like personally phones them and says don't do it. That's the only way. <laughs> no morality in that company whatsoever. No, of course not. A bunch of carnies. Exactly. Um, uh, can I do my number five? No, you can do your number four. I haven't done my number five. Oh yes, I have. Yeah, Greedo. You're right, no, today, mate. Yeah, no, sorry. No, I've got them. I've got them written down here, but not in order. So I was looking at the top one, which I haven't done yet. But do you see what I mean? I see. My my life is confusing. Wait, I why did I say we were professional earlier? I've bollocked oh, it yeah. right up. Um, my number four is is um, <laughs> from WrestleMania twenty. From 2004, it is the return of the Undertaker. Dong with Paul Bearer. So this is the return of the Dead Man. This is after we'd had the American Badass for a few years uh, with his little motorbike and his um, little mate Fred Durst rolling around. And um, a few months earlier, uh, Survivor Series 2003, Kane had buried the Undertaker alive. Um, in Undertaker's match with Vince, which we've talked about before, is one of the bloodiest matches you've ever seen. The blade job Vince gives himself is horrendous. Um, there's also a good bit where um, Vince is all bleeding on the commentary table. Undertaker's punching him really hard in the face. Then he looks at the crowd and goes, I'm just getting started. And this big fat lady in the front goes, Woohoo! <laughs> I really like it. <laughs> Make them bleed! <laughs> um uh, yeah, so uh, he comes back at, uh, at WrestleMania 20. Everyone knew or like highly suspected that this was the return of classic Undertaker with his you know longer hair, the dong music, and um, <laughs> darkness music. and all that. <laughs> Jerry Ryan playing his tracks down. <laughs> um, uh, but what no one expected was the return of Paul Bearer as well. So first we get the blackout, then we hear, oh no! And um, Paul Bearer comes back, which is brilliant. And the camera's on him, and he's brilliant. You just see him look at the ring, like staring at Kane with all the druids around him. And he just goes, you're no son of mine! <laughs> and uh, and then the proper uh, dog hits, and um, Undertaker comes out, and he's back. And his hair hadn't grown quite as long as he'd wanted it to in those few months, I think. Oh, I thought it looked cool. He'd, he'd, I remember done his best. being 14, and uh, when, when I had my long locks, and I screenshotted a picture of Undertaker when he takes his hat off and I went to the hairdresser and I was like I want to look like that and oh then, is that the picture you took yeah and then they uh, that's cool turned me into a mushroom head they turned you into a sort of a mushroom head and a little bit of knuckles from Sonic yeah you had a you had a knuckles the echidna look going on for a while which I admired I know um what did I t- I used to take pictures of Billy Joe Armstrong to the hairdresser quite a lot um to get my hair cut and also in my emo days i took pictures of tom DeLong when he had his emo fringe i took them to the hairdressers too you can tell yeah man um and and obviously pictures of travis when i went through my mohawk phase uh travis barker that is not travis from taxi um <laughs> <could be> <laughs> and, uh, yeah I suppose it's not that different is it um 
so yeah this i think this the obviously it's like pathetic now but when um and first came back with this entrance and it was just so cool right like you were just everyone was salivating for it and even though the american badass was cool it had run its course i think and he was just a little bit too old to be running around listening to the biscuit on a motorbike do you know what i mean it's true it's true and um one thing i loved is the dru the druids being there uh, uh hearkening back to wrestlemania 12 there was, there was one WrestleMania where he did the famous with like all the druids and it was really good. Um, yeah. But I remember the druids at WrestleMania 20. The the actual, if you watch the torches, they're like dripping fire. Yeah, man. I remember um, there's actually, you can actually see like someone in the back frantically poking a fire extinguisher out and putting a bit out <laughs> during this. This WrestleMania, WrestleMania 20 was very fire centric. This is the same WrestleMania that Ultimo Dragon nearly set himself alight during his end. Which is still our favourite thing to remind people of because WWE is trying to wipe that from everyone's memory, but we're keeping it alive. They they censor it more than Benoit that, and it's not right. And yeah, we should remind everyone that Ultimate Dragon nearly went up like the Fourth of July at WrestleMania twenty. Um, but yeah, so lots of pyromania at WrestleMania twenty, which I for one support. Where it all began again. It did all begin again. I really like that opening video package for WrestleMania 20. Where it all be? Although, yeah, but then um, it's got so it's got that voiceover who does all the you know in a world that guy and so uh, where it all begins, and then it goes through. But then the end bit is Vincent Shane with Shane's baby, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how that package ends with them looking quite awkward, I have to say, um, standing next to each other with I imagine Shane's firstborn child. Um, but the voiceover dude, like, it's almost like he's watching it as it's happening and he sees how awkward they look because he goes, where it all begins. Again? <laughs> he does it like a question. <laughs> it's like it's like he's Ron Burgundy and someone put a question mark at the end of his, uh, the end of his thing. I'm Ron Burgundy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you go if you go back and watch it, that's exactly what the voiceover guy does. You, where it all begins again. It's it, honestly worth watching. I've never made the connection, which is a stupid thing I'm about to say. But you know, at WrestleMania 32, when Shane comes out with his kids, no, 30, whenever he wrestled the Undertaker, and he comes out with his kids. It was it was 32. Yeah, 32. So yeah, yeah. that oldest kid is now that baby man. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes him, what, 14 now? Yeah. Um, so, what, 12 then? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, my number four match is heading over to Japan. Ooh! Have you got any any Japanese men on your list? No. Women? No. No. Midgets? Yeah. Red shoes? <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> um, no, nothing, uh, nothing Japanese. Um, I obviously love Japanese wrestling, but um, none of the entrances have particularly. Oh, they obviously have great entrances. Like I could watch a card as all day. Um, Nakamura's was good back in the day, but I there's nothing like over the top good from a specific show for me. Well, for me personally, there were two at Wrestle Kingdom Eleven, and I had mm. to pick between which one was my favorite. But I feel for like showmanship, this was the better one. And we're talking about the main events. Kenny Omega, Wrestle Kingdom 11, where he was the Terminator. Oh, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, the opening package was wicked as well. Really well done. Naked Kenny. 
Yeah, I was happy. It was so good. Um, for anyone who doesn't watch New Japan or hasn't seen it, so they recreate the introduction to Terminator 1 where Kenny's like naked and he's walking around. These Japanese guys are making fun of him because he's naked and it's cold out. And they <laughs> make fun and he's like, give me your clothes. And then he says in Japanese. And a fun fact I learned the other day, Jesse, fun fact. Uh, the guy's wearing the traditional leather jacket and uh, the pants and everything that Kenny Omega comes out to in his entrance. But he's also wearing a white t-shirt, if you'll notice. And Kenny Omega does not come out in a white t-shirt. Do you know why? Why, Max? Because that gentleman was wearing an Okada t-shirt. So he would not, of course, wear it. Ah, that is interesting. It is. Kenny then comes out and uh, puts Triple H to shame at WrestleMania 31, where he did his really awkward podium holding up skulls thing. And then he has a cool mask on, and he's got a shotgun over one shoulder, and he just looks boss as fuck going into one of the greatest matches of the modern era of 20, 30 years ever. Uh, yeah, I agree. We've talked about them at great length, and um, I still think it's my personal favourite of all the Kenny Omega Okada matches, just because it was so unexpected how good it was. Yes, not unexpected, but do you know what I mean? We, like we, we knew we, we were going to get, Kenya... yeah, we knew we were going to get a good main event. We didn't know we were going to get that good a main event. Yeah, exactly. Whereas the uh, Omega Okada match that happened afterwards, we already knew that they were going to be amazing before they happened. But this was just, yeah, incredible. Yeah. Um, and I like Okada's... I've always felt like Okada's entrance uh, with the sound of the um, uh, money dropping and stuff is very final bossy. Do you know what I mean? Completely. Like, it feels like he is the final boss of New Japan. And yeah, I love that entrance as well. I love a card entrance. Well, they changed up his uh, video package. When Kenny eventually won the title in the two out of three falls, then they did that um, Okada video package beforehand. That was very final boss as well. And then with the, the penny drop. And now he dyes his hair red and he likes balloons. So, oh, how the mighty fall. Yes. How the mighty fall. But he'll be back. He'll be back. Um, he's just taken a break with balloons, which is something we all wish we could do. Yeah, he's already getting his comeback. It's already happening. But that's current. Yeah. Back to the entrance. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Kenny looks dope as fuck, especially when he does the Bullet Club pose with the shotgun. I remember watching that and going, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. I like that. So was cool. Yeah. I was genuinely shocked when he didn't win that match. Yes. So was I, actually. Because it felt like the natural end to Okada's reign. But yeah. when he won, yeah, 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 it no, wasn't yeah. annoying. No, not and at that's all. that's very Whereas rare you were, you were livid the year after when Okada retained against NATO. Livid. <laughs> you were so angry. Um, okay, uh, I do three now, yes? Yes, yes. Yes, yes, that's Max Curtin. Um, so my number three is uh, the whole reason that this... Um, that this idea came about. It's sexy boy himself, Mr. HBK, Shawn Michaels, his WrestleMania 19 entrance oh, against Chris Jericho. Yes. Good shout. I thought you were going to go zip lining. Good shout. No, 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 no. This one is better because, um, it's Shawn Michaels, first mania back after being out for so long with his back injury. So he's feeling it. You know, he's uh, got the adrenaline going. And also, this is something I thought about that I don't isn't really talked about much. And I don't know if it would have occurred to you or not. This would have been the first arena Shawn Michaels would ever have wrestled in. Yeah, you're right. Because when he 
quote-unquote retired from his back injury before, WWE weren't doing arenas, not even for their big shows. No, it was just standard venues, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this would have been his first truly massive show, which I think is pretty cool as well. And when you think what a legend he was, even at that point, and he'd never done one before this. But um, he comes out, he's got all the glitter cannons that are brilliant. It's just, I mean, it's... If anyone else was doing it, it would be the lamest thing in the world, right? But because it's Sean, it's just awesome. And even more so, a couple of them are duds. A couple of them don't work. Quite a lot of them don't work. Yeah, I think he fires off five and like two or three don't work. It's quite a lot. Um, But at JR, amazingly, uh, when they're not working, he says on commentary, he's like, damn that Jericho, I bet he messed with the cannons before. Turned up early to, early to the arena. That should have been in the menu of WrestleMania. You know, that documentary you know about all <laughs> the time. Jericho fiddling <laughs> with it. <laughs> yeah. oh, I've missed that. Because uh, King then ruins that by going, oh, the pyro guy's got a sense of humour. <laughs> yeah, he does. Um, but... Yeah, it's great, the glitters, and um, yeah, even when they don't work, Sean uh, runs with it brilliantly, just the way he sort of pretends to cry. Yeah, and do you remember the, uh, the last one he sets off? So they're all positioned down the ramp, and he's firing them into each section of the crowd, he's going down the ramp. So two don't go off, one after another, and he shrugs, and he's like, oh no. And the last one, he's like, he's <laughs> praying to God, he's praying to Jesus, and whatever spirit is up there, and he's like, come on, and it goes off. And the crowd, the pop it gets, is so ridiculous. <laughs> If that hadn't gone off, do you think Sean would have denounced his Christianity then and there? Yeah, me too. Um, And then he gets in the ring, gets his pyro, then spins around and amazing camera work. The camera hits him from the other side and he gets um, all the fireworks going across the top of the stadium, which just looks incredible and uh, by the way, this isn't that long after 9-11, so there were probably Americans freaking out somewhere. But it they just blew it just incredible and I love it. Like Shawn Michaels like looks gassed <laughs> like after his entrance. <laughs> he's like clutching himself like he's got a stitch. It's just it's brilliant. It's such an over the top, ridiculous entrance. And everything I love about Shawn Michaels is that entrance. And they were quite rare back then to do kind of like special quirky entrances and all of that. So it, it did add something to to the mania itself. Another thing that they kind of edit out uh, quite a lot, and I remember it happen i've seen it a couple of times is so sean's doing all of his pyro stuff into the crowd and then it pans to jericho in the ring who's standing on the like second rope or something and he's just got the most grimmest pissed off face and he just lifts up his middle finger of just like fuck you sean fuck you (laughs) and it's just the best camera cutaway i've ever seen of just like i hate you so much it's great. And do you remember the end of this match when uh, they shake hands and cuddle and then jericho low blows sean It's a really um, odd finish, isn't it? To leave, like, it's Shawn Michaels' first big WrestleMania back and um, he leaves by being kicked to the balls. Well, it keeps Jericho strong, doesn't it, as the, as the heel? Because he wrestled a fantastic match that would turn anyone babyface in that contest. You know, the respect the <laughs> yeah, crowd that's was true, given that's him true, um, was huge. So I think he was maybe called an audio, but like, can I kick you in the dick? And Michaels is like, <laughs> aim for the fight, kid. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, you're right. Um, it is a great match. Really, really good match. My number three comes from ECW, technically. Oh, is it WWE ECW? It's WWE ECW. 
And I think you know what I'm going to say. ECW One Night Stand 2006. John Cena entrance. Yeah. Literally, be not literally, that's the wrong way to use that word. Um, practically, virtually, figuratively, being thrown to the wolves, John Cena, have, for this I entrance. I have literally written into my notes, walking into the lion's den at peak Cena yeah. heat. There you go. That's exactly what this was. So for people unfamiliar with ECW and the resurrection, because I know a lot of us have blocked it out, ECW was a very hardcore promotion back in the 90s that was super cool and awesome. Uh, they went out of business, <laughs> WWE bought them. Well, you sold it to me! <laughs> WWE bought them and it laid dead for a while, and then they thought, hey, let's resurrect ECW during the start of our PG era. That's a smart plan to do. And they did these one-night stand events, uh, one in 2005, one in 2006. And 2006 is fantastic. Rob Van Dam had won money in the bank, and he wanted to cash in. He announced it beforehand to face John Cena at one-night stand in the old ECW arena. And the crowds make everything in wrestling. You can take a very average match and make it a five-star if the crowd are into it. And that's exactly what happens in this match. Rob Van Dam comes down to a godly hero's welcome because he's the whole effing show. And then the tension of Cena's music about to hit and everyone waiting and then it hits and the boos are unbelievable. And I love John Cena for this because he plays it like a big fight. He's going in as the underdog. He just holds the title above his head, hat down low and just walks through the sea of middle fingers and some very choice vulgar words. (laughs) He gets in the ring, and the crowd is just all over him. All over him. And John Cena's typical thing, you know, is take off the shirt, throw it into the crowd. The crowd take it, they throw it back at him. He does this, what, three or four times? Yeah, even the security guard throws it back. Yeah. That big black guy in the suit. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. He, he throws it back, and then just throws up two middle fingers. He goes, fuck you, Cena, fuck you! And then just turns around <laughs> back to his security job. <laughs> I bet Cena felt safe in that moment. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, people were throwing toilet paper at him. I remember John being in the corner, and this toilet paper perfectly lands over the top ropes, kind of cornering him in. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's great. That's brilliant. And the crowd are just all over him for this match. And there's the famous sign that's been done to death, but it was actually probably legit in this event. It said, if Cena wins, we riot. And I, honest to God, believe that would have happened. Yeah, that you're right. It's been done to death since for the first time at this show that was seen. It was like, ooh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) The crowd don't let up either. You know, he does his moves, the the five moves of doom, and they're chanting the same old shit. Um, They're just all over him from the get-go. And everyone thought John Cena was going to win when he was going for the FU. And then my baby boy Edge comes in and saves the day, spears him through a table, takes off his helmet, and his hair looks really... He's got good helmet hair. Yeah, right? It's, I was uh, he looks envious. He looks like a little Lego man. <laughs> he does look like a little Lego man. It's adorable. I imagine him just snapping his hair on in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah, RVD, the referee's knocked down at this point. RVD goes for the cover after a frog splash. Paul Heyman comes in, counts to three, and the crowd go absolutely insane. It's The entrances make this match, and it just carries on. It just doesn't stop from that peak all the way through the match. Yeah, completely agree. Um, it's and yeah, like you say, a fu- uh, um, a crowd atmosphere and stuff can make a, fi- a f- match five star. And uh, there were so many. I love that for these early ECW shows that WE started to do. Um, they felt really authentic, didn't they? That quickly went away. But 
um, they did feel authentic to begin with. And you got um, like you you would see people in the crowd that were regulars at ECW shows. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a guy called Vlad. Do you know Vlad, yeah, know Vlad. super fan? Um, yeah, he's there, and um, just all these faces that you recognise from watching the old proper ECW stuff, which just felt so cool. Oh, if they had kept that, it would have been beautiful. If they'd kept that magic of what ECW was. Could have been someone else. You know what? Do you know, you know, obviously WWE, ECW got shit quite quickly when it became a weekly show. Um, but it was because it was on the sci-fi channel, right? Um, that's the channel that they were signed to. So that's why all of a sudden there were like zombie wrestlers and characters and things like that. It was just because they were on the sci-fi channel and they were trying to Get that appeal to the people who yeah. would watch the... Yeah, but how stupid is that? Like people... People don't just watch the sci-fi channel. They watch it when something they like is on. So only wrestling fans are going to be watching the sci-fi channel at that point. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's such such stupid, um, like, the, just the business ethics and marketing of it all is just appalling. You need to get involved, Jesse. I know, I'm good at this shit. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's my favourite. It's a shame ECW tanked. What I always thought would be great from ECW, because this was when they were transitioning into kind of PG. It was the start of it before the Benoit. Benoit happened at this point? Uh, no, he hadn't. No. Um, he had another year in him. But they were... Oh, yeah, because he was challenging for the ECW title when he did his... No, no. Uh, yes, he was, sorry. Yes, he was going to he was going to win the ECW title off CM Punk at Vengeance 2007 yes. on the night that he killed himself. And then Johnny Morrison, Johnny Mundo, Johnny Impact uh, took over. Johnny Nitro at Johnny the time. Johnny Nitro at the time. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's... Uh, but if they had kept it as a hardcore show and then kept the other two as their, like, WE programming, I would have loved it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. It would have been great. Anyway, what's your number two? My number two is a man we were just talking about. His name is Redacted. His name is Chris Benoit. And this entrance is from Backlash 2004, which was his first pay-per-view since winning the World Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania 20. It's the rematch, the triple threat rematch between Triple H, Shawn Michaels and Chris Benoit. This pay-per-view is in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And... It's just, I get it's one of those, you can't beat a good homecoming entrance. And Benoit comes out to just thunderous. I, I mean, it's Chris Benoit Day, Max. The mayor had made it Chris Benoit Day in Edmonton, Alberta. Not sure if that still stands. <laughs> but, uh, but at the time, it certainly was. And um, everyone was um i mean nancy is in the front row with the children that's weird um but everyone is just like mad for benoit it's just the biggest pop you've ever got he comes out with this a, a genuine smile on his face getting this huge ovation from his hometown i remember the uh, uh, big benoit sign in the crowd as well you know when they hold up one letter each yeah 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 no yeah it's just all brilliant and he just, you know, there's nothing special about the entrance. He just walks down like he always did. But um, just the, like you said about crowds, the atmosphere of the crowd, loving Benoit like that. And when Benoit gets in the ring, this is really cool. He walks straight up to Triple H, look, just looks him dead in the eye. And it's as his music drops down, coincidentally, but it works really well for the whole, you know, visual. Um, just walks up to him, um, stares at him right in the face. And then just slowly lifts the World Heavyweight Championship above his head, 
while he's staring like nose to nose at Triple H. It's just no fear. It's brilliant. And then he turns and does the exact same thing to Shawn Michaels. And that's cool. It just felt so like the swagger Benoit had being in his hometown, you know, being the underdog. You never win the big one, whatever. That was the story they were doing. And um, which was, you know, rooted in reality, obviously, much like Daniel Bryan at 30. But just his arrogance, like, I've got the belt. I know I'm retaining it tonight. Just the confidence in him in that entrance is awesome. It just felt super real to me. I'm, I'm gobsmacked you got a Chris Benoit into this list and made me believe it. Well done. Yeah, right. Thank you well very done. much. <laughs> How has he done this? But you're right. It was a very special entrance. I think just, as you say, the happiness. You can see the happiness in Benoit. Yeah, um, from because he's always very stoic. The same thing happened with Edge uh, TLC um, TLC match and whenever it was when he faced John Cena in a TLC match for the title, and it was in Toronto. Oh, yeah. and Edge was like peak heel, but the crowd you can see when they focus in on Edge and uh, they announce him as the champion, you can see him trying to hold back the tears because the crowd are just <laughs> like, "We love you, Edge." And he's like, "This is beautiful." The Canadians, man. The Canadians love their own. Well, we know this with Steve. The only time we mention a wrestler, he goes, Canadian. We're like, yeah, 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 we know, we know. (laughs) So, yeah, a lot lot of Canadian pride, that's for sure. Yes, absolutely. No, I'm glad glad you liked that. And, uh, yeah, I fully recommend that match to anyone who hasn't seen it at the entrance and seeing... I know it's weird because it's Benoit, but just seeing, like, the genuine emotion of that man... And his joy is quite wonderful in an odd Definitely. way. Excellent choice. My number two is also Undertaker, but my favourite Undertaker entrance. It, it's pretty hard not to have Undertaker on a <laughs> like to leave him off a list because there's so many epic entrances that he's done. It just has to be included. Yeah. So mine actually comes from WrestleMania 29, where he faces CM Punk. Ah, okay. So Punk has a cool entrance. He has Cult of Personality play live. And it's one of the best wrestling band live performance there ever is. The- yeah, Living Colour, they're awesome yeah. band. They're touring with Fishbone at really? the moment. That would be cool. Yeah. How awesome would that? I think they're already doing America, which is a shame. But yeah, Living Colour and Fishbone, what an awesome show. I like that. I like it. Um, but the minute the gong hits, like Undertaker's entrance is special anyway. It, it's just something about it. You know, it's not just commentary going, this is something electric. It really does feel that way. But this one, yeah. the gong hits and it's just something else. So it goes off the fire. The way CM Punk. Do you remember when C- when the gong hits and the camera's on CM Punk? And he goes, "Come hits. on!" Yeah, he just says, "Come on!" He's just so fucking ready. It's awesome. The the whole story. Let's not uh, gloss over the storyline either. Of uh, Undertaker's closest friend Paul Bearer has recently passed away in real life, and classic WE work into a storyline. You gotta love it. Yeah. What did you drop? I took one of my ear stretches. <laughs> I was just playing with it. And it fell out my ear. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Um, and they used that angle of where so Undertaker's got a magical urn where all of his special powers are and Paul Heyman and CM Punk steal the urn from him and then they even pour Paul Bearer's ashes over him do you remember that? Yeah, I remember one bit where they're both at ringside and playing them catch with it. To each <laughs> that other. happens at WrestleMania, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, wait, is it, is it yeah, a WrestleMania? They're, they're on the outside where Taker's doing his really serious entrance and Punk's just like bicep popping it off him. <laughs> He's like, oh, almost <laughs> dropped it. 
<laughs> but this entrance. So let me run you through the entrance. So the gong hits, and then the fire starts going off. This is when they had the set of the Brooklyn Bridge behind them. So there's fire all oh, going yeah. off the Brooklyn Bridge. The smoke fills the stage area as it normally does. And then you see these undead hands reaching out from the floor as Undertaker steps up onto the stage, all in silhouette. And you've just got all of these... Um, dead people and hands and claws just reaching up for the undertaker and it's such a cool image like we rarely does such great just single shots in their wrestling but this is one of them mm. like i had it as like my facebook cover photo for ages because i'm that cool um just all these hands <laughs> reaching up to undertaker and undertaker's got this like raven coat on and as he's kind of walking down, it's all still silhouetted. Flames are going off like mental. Um, the Brooklyn Bridge and stuff is the only light source you've got in the arena with like this crimson blue happening. And he slowly makes his way down to the ring with the the undead in the background. Gets up onto the apron. And when he does the raising of the lights, all of the pyro goes off, like you mentioned with Sean, all around MetLife Stadium. And mm-hmm. it's just fucking goosebumps. It's awesome. It's, it's, it's really like cool. It's like the best entrance they've ever, from my personal opinion, from a stage perspective. It's just so cool. And then it turned out to be Undertaker's last great wrestling match, in my opinion, against CM Punk. Yeah, complete. I was just about to say the exact same thing. I think it's the last great match. He's had a couple of good ones, but this is the last great match that Undertaker mm-hmm. ever had. And I have to say, it's all down to Punk yeah. as well. Also, if you watch um, at the beginning, so Undertaker's going to go throw hands and stuff, and Punk's ducking. And he slaps Undertaker, I think harder than he should have, because Undertaker's face is, <laughs> oh, bitch, no, you didn't. And then Punk realizes he fucked up and gets out of that ring quick. Yeah. Undertaker is just on him. And I just love that bit. Side note, um, Paul Heyman, um, when he dresses up as Paul <clears throat> Bearer, looks looks more like Paul Bearer than Paul Bearer. It's weird, right? Yes. Yeah, he in the free package before this, they showed clips of um, Heyman dressed as Bearer, and it it was absolutely uncanny. I It took me a while to realise it wasn't Paul Bearer. <laughs> Everyone said that like that whole story was in bad taste, but it was probably Undertaker nah. that like, was like, yeah, let's go with it. It's what Paul would have wanted. You know, he loved this business. I, genu- I, gen- I genuinely believe Paul Bearer would have absolutely loved it. I think he would have thought it was brilliant. Yeah, 100%. Do you remember that clip of that I found of Paul Bearer um, getting tackled by someone? Oh yeah, that... she just comes and takes him out um, <laughs> on the stage, at ringside, just in the middle of a roar or something. Yeah, it was um, during that. It was before Kane had debuted, but it, they were leading up to it, so it must have been just before October '97. But on one of the roars, Paul Bearer comes out. Yeah, and some um, girl jumps over the barrier and um, rugby tackles him. <laughs> But it doesn't even get acknowledged by anyone. No. Like the cameras stay on it, but the commentators don't mention it or anything. And Bearer just gets up and carries on with his promo. Solid tackle as well. Paul Bearer yeah, is a fair play. She yeah, was brilliant. Got a dense centre of gravity, but she took him down like a bitch. She looked like Wednesday Adams. She did, <laughs> Daddy. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe it's the Undertaker. Apparently, the Undertaker and Kane do have a sister, according to the WWE comic book. Oh. There's mention of a sister that Kane and Undertaker have, but only in the WWE comic. That's interesting. Not like Sister Abigail. They're not all related, are they? I hope not. That would be weird. It would be. Now, I can only imagine we have the same number one. I'm thinking this. I think we probably do. Because there's only really one great entrance left, in my opinion. And uh, you you were convinced we were going to have two. 
two crossovers. Yeah, I thought you'd I thought you'd you would have done the HBK at Mania yeah, nineteen. It completely slipped my mind. The only HBK one that popped into my head was when he was coming in on the zip wire. Ah, oh, yeah. So go on then. Tell us the number one. Number one um, segues quite nicely from this match um, because it also involves the man who made the match good. Um, it is from Money in the Bank 2011 in Chicago, the entrance of CM Punk. I'm just a sexy boy. Sexy boy. Do I have your That'll attention now? Hang on, that'll sound good in post because um, you're going to obviously put the clip in, aren't you, from the actual song, and then I'm going to be singing yeah, after. Yeah. That. Um, do I have a attention now? Yeah, um, I have very conflicted feelings about CM Punk as a person. Um, the whole reason I know who he is like him is because of wrestling, which is something that he now hates, which puts you in a weird situation as a fan. So you're like, hmm does he want me as a fan? Because I only like him because he was a great wrestler. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Completely. It's weird. Um, but, um, but that doesn't take anything away from this, which again, to- again, talking about crowds, crowds make entrances, man. This Chicago crowd were partisan. They were fucking insane. Just like salivating for CM Punk. And just, yeah, the atmosphere of it is incredible. And again, nothing that, nothing that crazy. Like the Benoit one, nothing that crazy. He just walks yeah. out as he always does, but just feeds from the energy of the crowd. You, you, you say, you say partisan. We also learned that King did not know what the word partisan meant. Cause Michael Cole says that he goes in front of a partisan crowd and King just goes, partisan, what are you talking about? This is like if the Chicago Cubs won the Super Bowl right here in Chicago. And that's when we realized he didn't know what it meant. Yeah, there you go. He probably thought it was a um, type of cake. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah, it's it's unbelievable. I also love the pause that they have as well. So they announce the main event and then the crowd just pans out before Punk's even come out. They're just panning over the crowd and the crowd are already hyped, just screaming CM Punk for probably a good minute before he comes out anyway. It's great. And as much as I love the Cult of Personality Living Colour song, um, there's something about the Kill Switch Engage song that he had before that that works so well with this entrance in a way that the Cult of Personality wouldn't have done. Do you 100%. agree? Just the way that song starts, the way the Kill Switch song starts um, with with the pop is so much more powerful to me than it would have been with that guitar riff of Cult of Personality. Yeah, yeah completely. And. You watch CM Punk's face in it. Like, we've mentioned watching people's faces in these entrances when the crowd give them that, you know. As much as John Cena was in the Lions Den, you could tell he fucking loved that reaction he was getting. Like, he was... Oh, Cena's fantastic. Cena, uh, same with the ECW one you were just talking I mean, about. Yeah. Like, ev- everyone's like, yeah, everyone's like, oh, um, oh, look, it's really funny. Look, everyone's booing Cena. And it's like, Cena loves that yep. shit. Like, he absolutely loves just... As long as he's performing to a crowd that cares, he doesn't give a shit whether they love him or hate him. He's just, he's so good at it. He's so good at playing any crowd and getting any reaction he wants yeah, out of them. And, and, and riling them up, like, you know, almost passive aggressively getting on their nerves. It's brilliant. amazing. And the same for Punk in this, when he comes out and just a smile on his face from the reaction of just like, yep, I've got WE exactly where I need them. This is, this is my crowd. Yeah, yeah. This is what they're here to see. And I've mentioned before the build-up of this match with, like, 
um, Kayfay Punk leaving the company and Hans signed his contract, which was very true for quite a while. Um, but it was just played so well. Very rarely has WWE executed a storyline that perfectly. Yeah, no, it was yeah, it was fantastic, and uh, we get to see a bit of Boom Boom Colt Cabana in the front row as well. Which yeah, quite very like. true, and uh, that's nice. I also like that they leave Cena as well. So Punk sits in the ring for ages, and he just sits down waiting. And then he goes, fuck it, I'm going to enjoy this a little bit more. Stands up and gets the crowd going even more. And gets another yeah. huge pop out of them. And then goes and sees his mum and gives him a t- gives her a t-shirt. Which is very uh-huh. cute. Very. Um, and again, talking about... Um, like We've talked about this before. This is a Dave Meltzer rated five-star match. And I don't think it is. I don't think the match... Is, the match is good, but it's not... It's not an all-time classic. What ma- what makes it an all-time classic is the entrance and the crowd. That is what made this match yeah, five stars. Yeah, completely. It was a case of the entrance was really good. There was some good wrestling in the match, but it wasn't five-star level good wrestling. And obviously, the finish yeah. was fantastic. The finish was um, oh, God, yeah. John Cena linebacker tackling John Laurinaitis out of his shoes. <laughs> or did he punch him? No, he punched him, didn't he? But he went yeah. down like a sack of shit, did old Johnny. oh i i love it i absolutely love this match it's it's one that when we do our top five when we introduce non-wrestling fans to wrestling it it will be the one i put on without a doubt yeah totally excellent choice my dear boy um nice i like that i like that we had our own um tastes and then um came together that's how it should be that's how it should be i feel yeah so those were our top five um i'm I'm figuring trying to decide what to word this episode i feel top five special entrances or iconic entrances (laughs) no they're not eugene entrances max um yeah go iconic just top five top five iconic entrances yeah Yeah. okay that'll do wouldn't it yeah, I'll write that down before I forget yeah, I would. it. There we go. Just, just cut it into your arm with a compass. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> You'll never forget. So that was our top five. Uh, if you haven't watched, the ones we've mentioned, not only are good entrances, but also lead into really good matches, barring my number five, which is a uh, return. Stop dropping your stretcher. <laughs> I dropped it again. I'm fiddly today. Um, you yeah, haven't got uh, a drill this week. <laughs> The um, no, yeah, the drill's gone. The drill's been taken away from me. Um, it's down in the cellar now. I just go down there and drill into the wall. No one knows. Um, the Undertaker Kane match for WrestleMania 20 isn't particularly good, I have to say. Um, but aside from the Undertaker entrance, yeah. So there's a couple of good matches. In Everything there. else you is check good. Out if you haven't seen, yeah, go check out the rest of the match if you haven't seen them. And enjoy the entrances from our perspective, and you'll be like, oh yes, I noticed that now. Uh, in two weeks' time, when we're back, we will have another interview, because I'm fucking organised, Jesse. You're getting on it. You're actually doing very well so far, but you will falter. Thanks, mate. Yeah, a year is a bit pushing it. <laughs> I don't come into it now. I don't think there's that many wrestlers in the world. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to What's that? 26 episodes in a year? That's, that's, there's not that many. That's the whole UK scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and half of them can't be interviewed, because they work for WE now. Yeah, exactly. Bloody, bloody typical. <laughs> So, um, yeah, please join us again in two weeks' time where we'll have uh, Sam from Wrestling Resurgence and we'll have another top five, which we have yet to decide on because we're not that organised. It's a little treat every fortnight for our listeners because they get to, um, they they have no idea what's coming up. Then it pops up on the phone and they go, oh, no way, Iconic Entrances, that's rad. Like, it's a nice surprise for them. 
Exactly. And um, also, well done to our winner of our first competition. Who oh, guessed yeah. Our about. guest this week. Yeah. Um, follow us on the social medias, on Got Till 5 on Twitter and Instagram. Whenever we have a wrestling guest, we're going to be doing a little tease of who it might be. And I'll be putting up four images and you just have to guess who it is. They're very easy to guess. Or just look at the person above you and say what they say. That's pretty much what everyone did on this one. And uh, we'll send you out some Got Till 5 goodies in the post. So keep your eyes peeled for that one. Coming Who won this one? His name is... (laughs) I don't fucking remember. Danny Summon? We can can edit this. (laughs) What was his name? You've got to credit the man. I do, I do, I do. Hang on. I'm on the. I'm at Got Till Five right now. On, was it? In, I Twitter. thought it was Duncan. It is Dastardly Duncan. Congratulations! Well for being done, our Dastardly first winner. Duncan. You're you've made history as our first ever competition winner. You're going to get um, uh, stickers and badges and and a commission, a commission drawing. Drawing. Didn't you want me to write a message of hate? Yes, yes, I did. I could. I could. I'll put together a message of hate. I, I considered that, but then I went, what if they're, like, not a listener, but they kind of follow the Twitter, or they just saw the hashtags and just commented? He does follow us, or he might be a listener, but I just imagine opening this post of this letter from you, <laughs> riddled with... He's like, who's Jesse? why is he coming to my house with a drill? <laughs> why is this letter written in blood? <laughs> <laughs> is that a picture of my house? Ha- oh, God. <laughs> So we'll be getting that sent out of the post. Keep keep your eyes peeled for more competitions coming. Go over to the Got Till 5 Twitters and all of that for other information that will be coming because there's lots of plans in the work. I like to make plans, so stay stay tuned. And we also have a website where all of our links can be found, and that is jessiebands.com. I feel like you haven't said that in a while, so I wanted to get yeah, that thank in there. You, but um, I feel bad plugging it because you haven't updated our alumni page, so get on with it. Uh, yeah, that's not the right word, is it? Um, uh, alumnus. <laughs> yes. So we'll be back in two weeks. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Thank you so much for Spike uh, for spending the time to have a nice lengthy it, chat with me. That was yeah, wonderful. Yeah, thanks, Spike. Sorry I was busy. We'll meet one day. I love you. Exactly. And thank you, Jesse Benz. You're always a treat in my eyes. And we'll do this in two yeah, weeks. Yeah, we time. will. Another smash hit. Number 40 done. We rule. Boom, 60 more to 100, baby. Let's do it! Oh, God, that's loads, mate. (laughs) I'm not ready for that. All right. (laughs) Bye! Bye! You have until the count of five. I happen to love the number five. It's a beautiful number, a glorious number. You got to the count of five.